you're mingling with the Mimosa Mamas, a podcast that inspires and empowers women to live authentic always. Now here's your host, Erin and Erica. We are so excited to have this inspiring woman to mingle with us and how fitting for it to be National Women's Day today. We first saw her on GMA and she moved us to tears. It was an amazing story. We cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So Ms. Karen Millsap, take it away. No, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I remember when Eric and I first chatted, she's like, oh, you just found me so quickly. And I'm like, that's because I have a message and I want to get out there. So anybody who reaches out to me, I am absolutely willing to have these conversations. So, so anyway, yeah, um, I guess I'll give like the higher version. And then whatever you guys want to ask, we'll dive, we'll dive into that. But I got to this point because when I was 29, um, I all of a sudden became a widow. I was working for a um, home building company and I was a recruiter. And so I was at home just doing um, an interview with a, a VP. And so as I'm doing the phone interview with the VP, my cell phone is going off and it's buzzing. And of course, I'm not going to answer it in the middle of an interview. Right. But I did find it odd that it was going off and off and like consistently. So when I had an opportunity to him on hold and really it was more like mute, like I asked him a question, I hit mute really quick and then I answered my cell phone. It was the first time that I turned the phone over and noticed that it had been the same person calling me multiple times. Oh, so immediately a red flag went up like something happened, right? And so as I see that it was the same person who was calling, they were calling right back because I, again, I reached to the phone to answer it must have been the last ring they called right back. So it's just, as soon as you see that, it is a red flag. Like something has happened. I know that she's at the gym. Um, you think the worst, but for me, the worst was like Richard broke his arm. Or, well, if he broke his arm, then he would have called me because he's a tough guy. Yeah. So maybe he fell off the rig. It was a CrossFit. Maybe he fell off the rig and, mm-hmm. and hurt his head. And so I'm just thinking, like, that's the worst scenario right. your mind doesn't even go to the of course unimaginable not. yeah and so um so yeah so i answered the call and uh all i heard was screaming like i literally just remember hearing screaming and i know that uh somebody told me oh they put out the 911 calls you not do that on on the news and i've never listened to those because i didn't need to like i got that call and i heard the screaming and the only word that i could make that shot so my body responded, and even before my brain could um, process what I just heard, my body started convulsing. And so I had just enough, um, I don't know, we'll call it strength, but I think that it was just an auto move to get back on the phone with the guy. Because remember, he was on hold, and like he was on mute, I mean, while he was answering a question. And so I get back on and I wrap it up as quick as possible. I just said, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll be in touch with next steps. And like this. So I pick up my son who was there at the house with me. And I'm bouncing him just thinking to myself, I don't want him to feel what's happening to my body. Because I feel like that would have been a trigger. And I take him over to the neighbors. And I said, I'm not sure what happened. But I just need you to, you know, keep Caleb for a couple of hours. I have to go to the gym. There's an emergency. So I fly down the highway going 100 and what, and it wasn't until um, the light right before the gym that I, I had the thought, like, why am I not on my way to the hospital? Because if he was shot, and I know that it took me at least 
at least 10 minutes to get here. They've been calling me, right, because I mm -hmm. didn't answer right away. So this amount of time that passed, I should be on my way to the hospital. Again, not even thinking that it was a different scenario. And so I pulled up, and um, it was complete pandemonium. I mean, there were first responders there. There were newscasters there already with their stuff set up. Um, there were just people from the uh, from our box, from the gym, from our church, from just anywhere. It was just crazy. And I don't really remember who told me that he died. Um, I don't remember, like, who said what to me. Um, I just remember sitting behind a bush and just, like, rocking back and forth and just saying, this isn't real, this isn't real, this is not real. And so that night was like such a roller coaster in itself. The grief the, the grief journey healing journey is absolutely a roller coaster. But like that night, there are a couple of things that have started to come back to me about like what happened. And the biggest thing for me was um, that I never forgot was walking down the street, just talking to God and saying, like, how could you? He was on fire for you. He had he gone through huge transformations in his life and and was bringing people to the Lord, you know, was um, dedicated his box business and everything to just sharing how amazing God is and how amazing Jesus has been in our life. So, and I'm like literally talking to this guy, like, so how dare you do that to somebody? Right. You know? Of course, yeah. And so there was a, a, a cop who was walking with me and he was kind of walking behind me. And I stopped at one point and I said, do you believe in God? And I forget what his answer was. But I just remember that feeling of like, somebody has to tell me that heaven is real. And so I, instead of whatever the conversation was with him, which was short, I went like right back to the sky and I was like, God, you said that you answer us. Like, I'm looking for a burning bush, like raise somebody from the dead, like something. Like, I need a miracle right now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and nothing happened in that moment. But I did say to him, I said, uh, Lord, if you can just reaffirm for me that heaven is real, then I will take this and try to use it for something that's good. I don't even know what that can be, but like, I, I just, I promise that I'll keep trying. Like, that's basically what I was saying to him. So then that night, my friend, I mean, by the time we got home, it was like maybe one thirty in the morning. My friend came home with me and we were sitting on the back um, patio and I looked out. And for the first time in my life, I saw a shooting star. And we've been sitting there for a while. So, so, but immediately as I saw it, my thought was, because while we were sitting there, we weren't talking. I was just thinking, like, God, I need you to show up. I need you to answer me. I need you to. And then that's when I looked over and saw it. So after I saw, saw the star, I turned back and I thought to myself, that wasn't you. You can't do it again. Oh. And I looked over and saw a second one. Oh, my God. I love and that. And so I felt like that was my, that was my, okay, I have no idea why this happened. And keep in mind, you know, it's been five years and we still don't know who killed my husband. Oh, my God. I just had to early on, and I think it kind of came like little by little by little, but this was one of those moments where it was just like that moment of acceptance. Like, I don't have control over the things that have happened around me, but I can control like how I take my next step mm -hmm. forward. Exactly. And that lesson has shown so many different times, but that was the very first one because, you know, I just cried out and I was just like, listen, I want to believe in you and I want to, I just want to know that my husband's okay and he's in a place where I'm going to stay. 
again. Like, that's it. And if that's what yeah. it means to have faith, then, yes, strengthen my faith. Like, I'm on board for yes. that. Mm-hmm. When I asked, and every time I asked, the time I leaned in, like, he has just become more and more, more real to me. So mm-hmm. it started from there, but then it grew into, okay, I had to eventually transition back to work. And there were a lot of good, but there were a lot of bad things there. Um, I eventually lost my job. Like, over a year, I lost my husband. I lost my house, my cause, my job. I lost relationships. Mm. Um, it was just, it was, everything was taken from me. You know, I found myself, I said this on my TED Talk, I experienced what I call a pain attack because it was like my body was just in pain from my head to my toes and everything in between. Like, I could literally feel that. And so... Um, it was a tough year, but after, when I was let go from my job, when I walked down and I got in my car, I I turned on the radio and there was a Joel Lucy message, and it was something about how you have to like laugh when you you have to keep your laughter right, like hold on to your laughter when you're. So I remember thinking to myself that only maybe the month before I had this little thought like, well, why don't I just go out on my own? Like, maybe I could start something for widows. Maybe I can help them transition. And it was just a thought. It was just, mm. And so now I was, I get in my car after being, you know, let go. And I'm laughing because I'm like, stop. <laughs> really? Like, it was a thought. I was not asking for it. But I will He say, brought it to you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I would never have the courage to step out my own. And although this was a huge blow to my confidence, it pushed me and put me on the path that I needed to be. Mm. And I'm all ready to use this for something for good. I just didn't know what it was. And the transition from that point being let go and thinking, okay, well, what do I do? Is there a nonprofit? Like, kind of entrepreneur? Like, that was a new word in my vocabulary. Like, I didn't even think about that. And so I've just really been, over the last four years, I've just been obedient and surrendered to the journey. I just have shared my story, which is all about, um, I don't want it to be about grief. I don't want it to be about, like, my husband's murder, because that's, that's not what it is. That, that was a horrible, horrific experience that I wouldn't wish on anybody. I wouldn't mm-hmm. wish somebody being a widow on anybody. It is right. so hard. But what happened was from that dark space of wanting to give up to where I am today, that journey in between, anybody can have that journey. Literally anybody can have, whatever your starting point was of darkness and you know where you want to be, where you feel whole and you feel confident and you you know are putting out and attracting joy in like that journey is what i want to teach to people that's what i'm bringing to people now um it's hard but i do know that the more because as i'm sharing my story i'm meeting other people who have grief too mm-hmm. and i realize that there's power in us sharing our stories so if i'm just Absolutely. able to normalize the conversation of grief boom like i'm happy like let's just start there but if i can inspire people and like give them tools that and have you helped do. Me to heal. You really yeah, do. Then that's, then that's what I that's what I'm hoping to do. And that's what I'm doing now. That is awesome. And how long have you been um inspiring I mean, since this happened, when you obviously had to heal and kind of, you know, start to move on from what you experienced, um, how long have you been speaking and just being out there inspiring, you know, people who, who need it? I started to share my story um, maybe two years after he died, because okay. 
the first year I was working, the second year I was like figuring out what does this look like, you know, entrepreneurial wise, and I was just recruiting for myself. Mm -hmm. But that's when I started to have this conversations about grief in the workplace. But fully transitioning to coaching and speaking, um, it's been about three years now. Oh wow! Okay, two and a half, three years. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, so I. Um, spoke with Karen before we we had the opportunity to speak back and forth a couple times and I shared with her how her story just moved me because I personally have been affected by loss Um, my best friend of 20 plus years lost her husband um, in 2010 he died in a car accident and um I I still get emotional talking about it because um, it was really hard to watch her go through losing her best friend, her soulmate. She was three months pregnant, and it was their first it was their first child. And she looked at me that day. I remember when we got the phone call. Um, I I just immediately you go numb. It was like, this can't be happening. What are you talking about? What do you mean he died? I have to get to my best friend. Like, And they were telling me, don't call her. She does not know yet. And it was like, I felt like I was in Japan and she was in the United States. I mean, how, how was I going to get to her quickly? I just wanted to be there for her. So um, when I saw her... I walked in the door and I'll never forget that look, that look of like, he's gone. Like my, my, the love of my life is gone. Like it still touches me. And she said to me, what am I supposed to do now? What am I supposed to do? And for someone as a best friend, because it, it, you know, obviously it wasn't my husband, but just watching her and all these years now, you know, um, you really, really touched me, you know, with that segment on Good Morning America. Even though it was like a brief five-minute segment, I just told Erin, I, I want to meet her. I want to hear her. I feel like not only can she help, you know, my best friend, but she can help. She's helping so many other women who have lost their husbands, their wives. Or through other losses, like myself, I have suffered two miscarriages. And um, I'm just so happy that we have crossed paths. Like, you are so, I get, like, literally get emotional just, like, being able to look at you. And because I've had the opportunity to, like, (laughs) watch (laughs) you. I've had the opportunity to watch your YouTube videos. And then you and I spoke on the phone for a good hour and you really helped me Karen and there I hate to even say this but there's obviously there's a reason why God um brought this to you he brought you this and he unfortunately it was at the loss of you losing your best friend your soulmate your husband your son's father but I really truly feel like um just your voice it's just inspiring super inspiring and I just want to thank you and um and for someone like who has experienced this because of my best friend what 
what other advice can you give someone, you know, that has had loss for five years? It doesn't even matter if it's been a year, two years, five years. What can they do to let go of that? I don't want to say let go of the anger because I think, I think it, you know, you know, emotions come and flow. It's like an emotional roller coaster. One day you're fine. One day you're not fine. One day you're pissed off. One day you're like, okay, I can do this. I sometimes wasn't making it a whole, like, this five minutes I'm happy. This five minutes I'm sad. It's like, oh <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So what advice do you have um, to give to our listeners for even, you know, I just lost my grandma a month ago, you know, and that I didn't think was going to be as hard as it was. You know, she was 96 years old, but it doesn't matter. It's still grief. So if you could just give, you know, a couple of um, words for yeah, for our yeah. listeners, you know? Like, yeah, well, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that, um, I, first of all, I can completely resonate with that feeling uh, that you mentioned with your best friend when she just looked at you and was like, like, what am I supposed to do? That is the first question when we get any kind of difficult news is now what? Like, now what am I supposed to do? This is not the path I thought I would be on. This isn't how my life would be. This isn't what I was saying for this Wednesday. Like, I didn't plan to be at a funeral on Monday for my husband. What is going on here? And so it is such a, um, the shock, like, shock is an understatement. You know, you really can't, you are just, even numb is an understatement. But this is what I would say, early on in those days, if you have somebody who has lost a significant other or they're going through a miscarriage or they found out that they're getting a divorce or they just lost their job or whatever it is, right? Because we'll get to this, but just as a side note, grief is not just because of the death, you know? Grief is when we expect things to be different or better or more. It doesn't turn out that way. So wherever, whatever that looks like, the early stages of accepting that are really, really, really difficult. And so the best thing that we can do for people in the early stages is just show up for them and be present. Now, showing up and being present could not. I had a friend, Jamie, and I talk about, I mentioned her on my time talk too. Like, she would just come over and lay down with me. As a matter of fact, she was on the Good Morning America thing. I was so happy that happened because that is my girl. And so I always, I always tell people about Jamie because she didn't do anything that was like, over the top, elaborate, or like, no, she would just show up and be next to me. That's awesome. And so I think that there's a lot of power in that. But if you feel the need to do something, if you are action-oriented, respond to their basic needs, right? I, I have somebody, that. my neighbor, who would just, yeah. like, take down my trash and would bring it back Aww. up. My neighbor would check my mail. Like, just make take sure that something the off your plate. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I so I didn't think about cooking for like the month, which was great because that was really hard for me. You know, people don't think yeah. about it, but I was going from a family of four to a family of one and a half. Caleb was two and mm-hmm. he wasn't eating as much as me. So I miss cooking for my family. I miss like, it's very, very difficult to go through some of those like basic going to, I didn't go to the grocery store for maybe, mm-hmm. it might've been over two months. Wow. Because the first time that I tried to go, people were crying oh because they would yeah. see me because they would know my husband. And so it was, so mm-hmm. I didn't even go to the grocery People would help me to get groceries. I mean, mm-hmm. there are so many things that you can do in those early stages. Now, 
part of it may be that it depends on what the loss is, and they may not share as much or divulge. So you're not sure how much you should jump in and help them. Mm-hmm. But depending on like the level of your relationship and, and how much you do know you're exposed to, that's how you can kind of gauge how can I jump in. Okay. okay. Um, also, um, that is very helpful. Those are like, you know, it's almost like common sense, but you don't think. No. It's like, yeah. No, when you're in the, when that, when you're in that moment Shut and that down. happens, you're literally, your body goes numb. Your brain doesn't work. You, no you don't even have yeah. time to eat just because you're, you're dealing with the grief or you don't remember anything. Like you, you. Well, what I found was that there's actually an immediate chemical deficiency in our mm. brain when we lose a loved one. That so some sense. people don't realize that they're not functioning at full capacity because they're just uh-huh. kind of an autopilot. Right, right. See? Yeah. So having someone come in and help and just say, hey, I got this. Even That's if really it's all just, you need on a basic level. You know, again, um, I, I made sure to check on my best friend. She had moments where she would hang up on me and say, I'm fine. I did that for three years. Every single day, I made sure to give her a call. And I think it's important because I think a lot of people feel like, um, um, I don't know if you experienced this, but I want to talk more about the, like, men tend to deal with loss differently than women. So I don't know what experience you had with your husband's friends because it's hard for them to step in and they don't know what to say. Yeah, they shut down, right? They just really kind of, well, I shouldn't say all of them. No, not all men. You know, men that aren't aren't maybe in touch with their feelings as much as women, which is fine. That's just how we are. But some do shut down. What What have you found? Yeah, what have you found when it comes to men in grief? Yeah, I think that, and I'm, I'm... this more so on the work that I do in corporate America because I teach folks about compassion and empathy in corporate America. And so whenever I bring up this topic, it's like the guys are like, oh, no, it's fine, or no, we don't need to, or they don't want to address the elephant in the room Mm -hmm. until I break them down with a couple of activities where it gets personal. Because we're, we're really all connected through our struggles. We just process it differently. So for men, and there are a lot of different myths about grief, like one of them is that time heals. Another one is stay busy, right, or replace the loss. Like there's these different, and so it depends on the person, but for the most part, men want to be stoic, so they will mm-hmm. use either of these myths, of, and that is their crutch. Now, I will say this, though. If we are going to look at anybody as the example of how a man should process their grief, it is former Vice President Joe Biden. Because he speaks a lot about his early loss, his first wife. Mm -hmm. He had two boys, Hunter and Bo, and they were um, in a car accident, and his wife and the baby died. That's right. Oh, my God. Then he had his boys with him, and eventually he met his now wife. Mm -hmm. Remember, only a few years ago, they lost Bo to cancer. And that battle that they were going through, he was very open and even spoke about his earlier loss with his first wife. Mm-hmm. And so he will, I mean, he will talk about it. He will explain how he was um, uh, broken and he leaned on his boys after his wife died. He wow. will explain how he was brought back to that place when Bo had cancer. I mean, 
he really just shows that yes, you can be stoic and you can be a strong man, but you can be strong in your vulnerability. That's right. That is amazing. Thank you for sharing that because I didn't know the extent. He's that amazing. Guy. Yeah, he I have is. I have heard about Joe Biden, and I have seen how he's just so vulnerable when it comes to his emotions. Mm-hmm. And he's not, you know, because men were men are brought up to be so like, like, oh, I'm, you're I'm I'm yeah. Fine. There you go. Yeah. yeah, you're a guy. You're fine. Don't cry. Shut it down. Yeah. Stop it. Even you know, I have a son. She has a son. You have a son. Yeah. But I always make sure to make it a point to tell my son it's okay to express yeah, show your emotions. Show your emotion. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so I do have a quick question. Oh, I'm. You kind of piqued my interest. Are you able to share one of the activities that you do to open them up? Because I'm like, could I use this on my husband? <laughs> yeah. Well. It's it wouldn't work on your husband who's a room of two, but oh. one of the things that I do when I start the workshops is I tell everybody to close their eyes, and I read off a list of losses. And so I'll say, raise your hand if you've experienced a death, a divorce, a job loss. So I just, you know, um, if anybody uh, has become ill or fought cancer or anything. And when I list those off and then I ask everybody to raise their uh, hand, they keep their hand up until the very last one. They open their eyes. They see everybody's hand. Oh, my gosh. And then they realize, like, yeah, oh, my gosh, we all have been through something, you know? Like, this isn't just a workplace where nobody's not, like, no, no, no. Yeah. And so, and because they know what they raise their hand about, and they were taken to that place for just a second. Mm -hmm. Because they were taken to that place, it broke down the first barrier, which is, oh, no, I'm, I'm okay. I don't need to talk about this. And then they open their eyes, and they see everybody else in the room has also experienced what they just experienced. I love that. That's amazing, That Karen. is so cool, Karen. You are such a gift to us. <laughs> to everyone. You are a gift, definitely. You really are. And I love how you – so how many years have you been branching out to – Going to companies, because that is a brilliant idea. Yes. I started that, um, I started building out the workshop six months after I was let go, because I was using my own experience, and I also, with the HR and training background, I was basically using my personal experience with my professional background, and so, so when I did that, I designed these workshops, but I will tell you that corporate America does not really talk about grief. <laughs> Even though Sheryl Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, experienced mm-hmm. the tragic loss of her husband, and right, she right. started to open up that conversation, yep. people still didn't want to talk about it, right? I mean, they talk about it a little bit, but so what I did was after about, I don't know, we'll say two years of trying to take this solution, and it was meant to be a proactive solution, and I kept hitting these barriers, I recognized that I am leading with the problem, grief. Instead, I should be leading with the solution, compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. And when I started to lead with the solution, that's when conversations really just took a whole new level because we practice compassion and empathy on a day-to-day basis in work, and we're interacting like that already. Absolutely. That is mastery preparation for the time of crisis. When yeah. Then when so stuff good. really hits the stand, you're ready to go because mm-hmm. you already are connected to one another. You right. already are treating one another with kindness, respect, and you trust each other. Right. So I just I shifted a little bit to not just talk about the problem, but to really lead with that solution. Well, I think it's really important because, you know, if you experience a loss and, you're, and you are at work, you want to be able to lean on your coworkers for support. Absolutely. Moral support and, you know, guidance. Or at least and, have the option. Exactly. Not everybody. 
to, but at least feel safe to. Yes, absolutely. That is awesome. I love that. Um, and especially that, how do we, how do I touch this subject? I don't even know how, but I'll, I'll just dive right in. Um, unfortunately, what what's going on in, in our society right now in these shootings at business, in businesses? So it's like, Hello, people. When are you going to open your eyes? Corporate America, open your eyes. We need these workshops, like someone like Karen, to come in mm -hmm. and 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 teach and and help us. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, well, it's it really does start with the individual. Because if you think about it, the people who are going in there and doing doing a fact, they're coming from a place where they are broken, where something has had them, or a series of events, life events, has led them up to this place of despair. Right. I really do. I, I mean, I can't say that I am a very forgiving person. That's something that I work a lot with, baby Jesus. I'm like, but <laughs> it was a huge, it was a huge um, experience for me to learn what that kind of forgiveness looks like for a monster, because I had to do that in my own scenario. Yes. And when I started working through my healing, I realized that all of our places of um, outburst, whether it's like yelling at your or shooting up a place. It all comes from a place of brokenness. Something has happened that we haven't healed, and so the way that we're responding, we haven't learned emotional regulation so that we can respond in a way that's solutions-oriented and not just flying off the cuff. Again, mm -hmm. whether it's responding to our chance or how we're responding to the workplace, right? Yeah, right and right. so if you think about that and, and those incidents where, unfortunately, there have been tragedies that work, I feel like our conversation, and I do this in my workshop now, I want to equip you all to work together and to create a healthy workplace, but all of that starts with you, the individual. Mm -hmm. And that's why I live on both sides of this. Like, I have my company agency that does those training development workshops and works with leaders, but I have the Grow Flow community because I'm saying, like, listen, we need to work on ourselves as individuals. You know, we need to talk about healing. Okay, you don't want to talk about grief world? That's fine. But can we at least talk about healing? Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much division in this world. I feel like if, if enough people's eyes were open to see that although our differences make us feel divided, we're really all connected to the human spirit because we know what pain feels like, mm -hmm. I think that's just going to lift us up as a human race. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like we would be able to build one another up no matter what pain happens in our life. Yeah. We, know how, we know what tools and people and resources to cling to whenever that hardship comes to help yes. us get through absolutely and i love that you touched on healing because what your video on healing really touched me um before we wrap up i would love for you to go over that uh just what you you know focused on when we when we talk about healing and self-care um and then we can move on to your very exciting project that starts in april so um i'll let you talk about you know healing in general um just for a few minutes but the, the acronym, the H-E-A-L, is just, it's genius. I love it. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. That was such a God hug because as I journeyed on this, you know, I really just keep asking God. <laughs> <laughs> we love I that. God hug. God hug. Yes, love it. It's where you just feel like, oh, okay, I'm all right. I'm all right. Yep. It was um, because I've been building this vision, I haven't really had a structure for it, right? So I'm like, I don't know. I just want to create a healing movement or, you know, I don't know. I just to put free stuff out there. I don't want to be a coach. I just want to give it all away. Like, I mean, I really <laughs> struggled with this, this journey. But 
that there is something specific that I can teach people, and that is how to heal. That's what it mm-hmm. looked like for me, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm, I'm literally laying there like Black Panther style with my hands <laughs> over my chest, like laying on the ground, and I'm just talking about it. I'm like, hey, so like what does this look, what do you want me to say to the world? I know what I want to do. I know the impact I want to make, but like I need it to be just packaged right, right? So it makes sense. So then I thought to myself, well, I wish I had like quick, like one, two step kind of, because that makes it easy for people to, that's how I learn things, mm-hmm. like, oh, the three steps to what have you. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm laying there and I'm just thinking, what do I want people to do? I want them to heal. Okay, heal, that's four letters. I mean, it's so funny where our minds go, can I use four letters? Are those four letters right? Wait, does that work? <laughs> <laughs> About what did I go through? Because that's what I can teach people. I didn't learn anything from a book. The only expertise I can bring is my life experience. Mm -hmm. And so what were the major themes in my life that helped me to get back to this whole heart? And HEAL was exactly the right acronym. It was, again, such a goddog. I was like, oh, my goodness. So H stands for healthy boundaries. We have to create healthy boundaries when we are trying to heal and also when we're just trying to grow. You know, we can't allow other people to poison what we're trying to grow. And sometimes we can't create a physical boundary with people. So we have to learn to create mental and emotional boundaries. Say if we work in a environment, right? (laughs) Yes. Or we have somebody who is not seeing the the same way we are as we're pursuing it. So Mm -hmm. we have to create healthy boundaries so that we can protect ourselves, so that we can just take ownership of our growth and our feelings. And then E stands for embrace emotion. As I mentioned to you before, like, we're going to be on a roller coaster, right? We're going to feel something different every five minutes, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we need to learn emotional regulation, which is tied to embracing emotions. The opposite of embracing our emotions would be to suppress our emotions, to ignore them, right? That's how we operate right now in society. We don't talk about it at work, and we sometimes can't talk about it with people who are close to us. Mm -hmm. So... The reason that we're not talking, the reason we're suppressing all that is because we haven't become comfortable with embracing complex emotions. And I just explained this to my son the other day. He was frustrated and some kid at school was like just not being kind. And so I asked him, I said, well, do you know what it feels like to feel frustrated? And he said, I know. I said, well, what does it feel like in your body? And he starts crying. He said, I don't want to tell you. I was like, it's okay to tell me. And he said, I just want to punch him. And I was like, <laughs> Get it out. Get it out. That's right. And you know what I told him? That's I said, awesome. I want to punch people sometimes, too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we have to be real about That's that. Awesome. Like, we uh-huh. conversations early with our kids to let them know. Because then the next yes. time I talked to him, he identified frustration because he knew what happened to his And what that. I thought was self-control. So if we're not having conversations about our emotions, and how can we teach them some of those values that like self-control? Mm-hmm. And so I said, when you feel like you want to punch somebody, you have two choices. You either punch them or you don't. Either way, <laughs> yeah. it's up to you. Right. But you know what. And so in that moment, he was able to embrace these emotions that, again, are natural for all of us. Right. learned benefit from that. Okay, now I've learned self-control. We all need to do that. So embrace emotions is huge. Huge, huge, huge. That is awesome. Yeah. Thing. When you accept what's happening, 
Um, you are consistently doing that because this loss is consistently showing up in your life. Mm-hmm. So an example is a client of mine who went through a divorce. It was a crazy divorce, and unfortunately, they are still in contact, but fortunately, because they have a kid together, right? Mm-hmm. And so in going through it, it's very difficult because her partner is unkind, is not very, like, trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so she is constantly reminded of this failed marriage. So not only did she have to accept where they were when they decided they were getting the divorce, and accept where they were when they had to sign the papers and go through the custody agreement, and accept where they are when they have to, you know, juggle week. I, it's constantly happening. Same right. thing with me. But the biggest thing about accepting where we are, and the reason why it's so critical in the healing process, is because you can't change the past, and you cannot control the future. That's mm-hmm. right. But if you accept where you are right now, then you have all of the power to choose what's the next step that you're going to take. That's it. I love that. I love that. Wise, wise words. Oh my God. And the last one is so powerful. The last, yep. So the L is for love yourself. And I learned this because early on, I wanted to take care of my son. Everything I did, it was just about him. I didn't care if I didn't eat, just me. But I wasn't worried about me. And I was on autopilot, right? Good thing he was only two years old and I had my parents because I can't really remember the first year, but I was just kind of tugging along. But what I realized was if I didn't take care of myself, I would be in no condition to take care of him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that um, analogy they use of if you are crashing in a plane, you are told to put your oxygen mask on first and then somebody else's, right? Yeah. So we have to learn how to love ourselves better, just in general, not just in the middle of a hardship, but in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm sure that this true for you as it is for me but I am a giver like I am like how can I help you how can I show up for you how can I make this more convenient for you like what if I meet you there like I'm always yeah. mm-hmm. and so as I do that I realize that like if there's a lot of withdrawals that are happening are there any deposits right <laughs> yeah negative exactly let's yeah. say are we gonna go negative yeah <laughs> <laughs> And the reason why I think that this is such an important part of the process is because it, we should just, and this is what I had to do, being a single parent is really, really hard. Like, I have so much respect for single parents now that I like, didn't realize how hard it is. Right. And, and, but there are, are easy ways. And because I was a single parent, I had to figure out the easy ways to implement self-care and what I call soul care. So I think it's all tied to your soul yes. feeling good. So, so loving yourself is huge. It's really made up by um, building a foundation of healthy habits. It's as easy as your morning routine. And, like, are you eating before you're picking up the kids so you're in a good mood? You're not hangry. You know, all of those different things. Yep. And, it, and it is absolutely critical because if you do not love yourself, then you will not heal. It just won't happen. As a matter of fact, if you don't do any of these four things, more than likely, even if you heal, it's not going to bring you to your mm-hmm. whole self and to your best self. I love that, Karen. That is mm. the best acronym ever. I mean, I seriously yeah. was like, oh my God, she has right. to share this because it's so <laughs> right on. It is. It's so helpful. You are so helpful to so many. I mean, I'm sitting here in tears several times. Yes, I do cry <laughs> a lot. But I'm Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, but I'm so excited to have you back to talk 
about, I mean, you have so many wonderful ideas. You do. We would love to have you. We would love it. Back because it's like we feel like it's not enough time. No. But we do. Before we let you go, we do want you to talk about your soul when, am I saying it right? Soul Soul care. Soul care. Yes, yes. Yes. Right, there's not enough time in an hour in a podcast or a phone call, even. No, and that's what I realized. And so, I was really thinking through like, how can I make sure that there is a constant flow of good information, right? Because I'm always learning, I'm not saying that I am an expert or anything, but I'm just I like to learn and I'm willing to share. So, that's so we are so grateful, (laughs) and I've also met some really phenomenal people. So. So what I decided was that I was going to meet weekly with anybody who's just interested in growing. Like whether you're healing from something that was really major, whether you're burnt out and you're like, wait, I need to like kind of get my mojo back, like whatever that looks like. Because I think that we're all in need of healing. It just depends on where you are and how much you've done up to this point. Because healing is a journey. It's continuous. So I'm launching Soul Care Wednesdays, which is going to be at 12 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. Awesome. Um, I'm excited. You're enjoying a coffee or lunch or whatever, right? It just makes it convenient. We check in in the middle of the week, not at the end of the day when we're burnt out. So we're going to be covering so much stuff. Like some of the things I talked about today, um, you can break them down like even deeper, right? And I want to be able to do that. So it'll be conversations, different techniques that maybe I've used. I'll also have like guest coaches on. Um, I have one, yeah, I have so many different people. There's this one woman who I'm really, really excited we just met. And interestingly enough, she was, she was um, born into a religious cult, went through this uh, crazy traumatic experience. Oh, wow. And now wow. talking about like mental health in the workplace, right? Oh, like she's, and so I've just met these really cool people that I'm like, we can be talking to like everybody yeah. together. Yes. So, Genius. So Karen, this is virtual, right? It virtual. is. It's going to be a webinar. It's a monthly awesome. subscription. I'll have, I'll have open enrollment periods. So you have to be on the lookout. But okay. if you follow my, my community page, the Grow Flow, or if you follow me, Karen Millsap, either way, you're going to see stuff coming out about soul care coaching. I'm excited. You know, I just want people to, you can dive in and get, you know, little daily doses if you're just following us. But if you really, really want to, like, get some applicable techniques and you have a conversation with women who are like us, then this is a place for you to, like, just dive deeper. And we will make sure to uh, let our listeners know on Instagram, on all our social networks, we will tag your um web your web page yeah and we'll so know so they'll, they'll know any, so don't worry listeners we'll we got yeah. you <laughs> you're gonna get to we want it. everyone to tune in yes yes we are so, so just grateful to have you we're honored that i'm lost here. for words i don't even know what to say because you really really truly genuinely touched my soul karen if I was in the room with you, I'd give you the biggest hug. Because <laughs> big hug. Oh, oh, yes. Virtual hug. Yes. Virtual hug. Yes. <laughs> like I shared with you on our previous phone call, I mean, I just, I'm so grateful that I turned on my Good Morning America that morning and yeah. you were on. And we love you and we're, you're just awesome. Thank you so much I for hope coming on. I will be a continued guest. You know, you'll come back again and again. And uh, I'm sure our listeners would love that. 
Absolutely. So absolutely. But in between now and then, I will see you on Wednesday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you awesome. will. Yes, you will. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much, Karen. We hope you loved this interview with Karen, who has been recognized by Forbes, MSNBC, TED Talk, and Good Morning America. Please follow her on Instagram at Karen.Millsap and the dot growflow. Her website is KarenMillsap.com. Her soul care webinar is every Wednesday at noon. So subscribe, get unstuck, and create the life you want. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.